You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. joining the show. Please submit any questions you have in the YouTube chat and we will take them at the end of the show. But let's get things rolling with headlines. How about Deion Sanders already making waves in the recruiting world, offering the number one offensive lineman in the 2023 class. Caden Proctor has been committed to Iowa since June, but has visited elsewhere. Per our Steve Wilfong, he's in communication with Alabama. So Blair, could Coach Prime come in with a couple of weeks to go before signing day and flip him? You know, we can never count out Coach Prime now whenever he throws his hat in or his name into the hat from a, from a recruiting standpoint. Caden Proctor has also taken a visit to Oregon. I've heard some buzz for the Ducks uh, from a positive standpoint, but Coach Dion now wants him to play uh, on the other side of the Pac-12 footprint. Who expect the unexpected? We will have an extensive conversation about Deion Sanders with Brandon Huffman a little bit later in the show. Let's keep it rolling. The number six edge is off the board. Samuel Mpemba announcing his commitment to Georgia on Sunday. He picked the dogs over Tennessee, Miami, LSU. What do you think did it for him, Blair? Yeah, it had to be development. It had to be the the ability for, for Georgia to give him the best opportunity to get to the next level, which is obviously the NFL. He's a terrific edge defender, and I feel like Georgia's defensive scheme certainly sent the benchmark in his recruitment, uh, and he's a player with tremendous upside given his athleticism and, and given his length. Georgia seems like a pretty great place to be for all defenders. Meanwhile, in the Pacific Northwest, the top player in Washington took a visit to, well, Washington. Caleb Presley is a four-star defensive back and current Oregon commit, though. It's his second trip to see the Huskies now, so where's the interest level there? You know, this is a legitimate battle, and it feels like a classic Washington-Oregon recruiting battle that has both fan bases on the edge of their seats. The Ducks like nothing more than to go into the state of Washington and steal recruits from enemy territory. And this is certainly uh, trending that way, although the Huskies are trying to wrangle him back uh, to, to stay home. And obviously Coach DeBoer there trying to get a lot of the top in-state prospects to, to consider the Huskies. It's always a battle on the field and on the trail. Four-star tackle Spencer Fano is set to announce his college destination tonight right here on the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. So you can tune in to see that at 9 o'clock. Fano is choosing between Michigan, Utah, Oregon. A lot of great players there, but where are you leaning, Blair? I like the in-state Utes. Uh, I think the longer this has gone on, I think the, the, that Utah has maybe made the, the biggest dent in his recruitment. But I, I will say that I've spoken to three different sources in the state of Utah this morning, and this one is not done. Uh, and we even saw Spencer Fano tweet out earlier today 
that he is not 100% sure where he wants to go, but he does want to commit today. It's the eight-year death anniversary of his grandmother, and he wants to make today a very special day. So although he might not feel ready, he is ready to make an announcement. Excited to see where he lands. Blair, we gotta do it. We gotta address the elephant in the room here. The transfer portal. Over a thousand players are currently in the portal after it just opened yesterday. How does that affect recruiting? You know, I don't know where to begin. You know, it's allowed coaches obviously to correct some misevaluations and edit their rosters in real time. It's allowed college players to better their situation, whether that's in NIL or playing time. But I think it's affected high school recruits the most. You know, I think it, it's allowed uh, a lot of coaches to maybe make some some adjustments and go into college instead of going and waiting for a high school player to develop. That takes two or three years. And, and as we see with the coaching carousel, sometimes coaches don't have uh, that much time to turn a, a program around. I think obviously with the acceleration of the recruiting process now, spots are fewer. So spots have to get snatched up uh, quicker. And so it's accelerated the recruiting process as well so a lot of different moving parts with the transfer portal but it, it's certainly a new age in college football recruiting yeah it's simply a numbers game you got to make the math work those 85 scholarship players let's bring in steve wiltfong he joins us live from alabama we'll explain why in just a bit but steve you joined us yesterday on our eight hour transfer portal palooza show and you just heard what blair said from your perspective what you're seeing right now this year how have you seen the transfer portal trickle in to the recruiting game well, I think that for the powerhouse programs, it's going to be the, the portal is going to be a place where they come in and just try and supplement their program with a missing piece or two that they need to enhance their roster. But these schools are still trying to build the foundation of their program from grassroots high school recruiting ranks and, and get the majority of their players from the high school ranks. And, hey, if we need a receiver because uh, a couple players went early to the NFL or maybe we misevaluated a couple guys, we can go into the portal and get a receiver or a DB for those reasons. But then there's new coaches that can completely flip their roster through the portal and maybe win 11 games like Mel Tucker did in his first season at Michigan State. And now you see him trying to build it up the right way through the high school recruiting ranks for the most part. Everybody's going into the portal, but I think for the most part, schools are still trying to build it up with high school rosters. Player development is the key. Yes, this is very new. And so I think a lot of coaches are trying to figure out just that sweet spot right in the middle between bringing in recruits and bringing in guys in the transfer portal. Well, we are full steam ahead to early signing day. That is on December 21st, just 15 days away. And Steve, you're in Mobile, Alabama, the site of the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game. So who do you have your eyes on while you're down there? Oh, man, I'm excited to see top 247 linebacker Sunterine Perkins. He's the number three linebacker in the nation for the 24-7 sports composite, currently committed to Ole Miss. He's going to head straight from here to Ole Miss for his official visit following the game on Saturday. But he told me he's not planning to sign early, going to take an official visit to Alabama in January. Pete Golding was over to see him yesterday, Alabama's defensive coordinator. And the Crimson Tide are very much in this recruitment, said that it is a toss-up between the two, and he goes back and forth. I saw one of the most explosive 
high-motor defensive lineman in the country. Peter Woods at Clemson commit Emily and Blair today at check-in. He says he's locked in with Clemson, but Freddie Roach at Alabama is still talking to him a lot. Deion Sanders in Colorado has reached out to him, five-star composite defensive lineman. But Clemson is the program that he talks to the most. Keldrick Falk is another young man that I talked to at check-in today. And Kelby Collins also on the list. Keldrick Falk, long-time commitment to Florida State, but Hugh Freeze and Auburn working hard to try and flip that. Kelby Collins arrived decked out in Florida gear, but has not completely closed the door on Alabama. Talks to Freddie Roach a lot. That's a long-standing relationship. Said that Nick Saban's going to be in there on Monday as well to do an in-home visit. So uh, um, a lot of the nation's best players here in Mobile this weekend, and there's still some recruiting storylines. Also picked up one on a, on a young man that's not here from the state of Tennessee, but it applies to Alabama. Quarterback Marcel Reed, four-star quarterback, longtime commit to Ole Miss guy. Hugh Freeze is going in home with Marcel uh, tomorrow and Texas A&M going in home with him on Thursday. Maybe Jimbo Fisher will be there. Damian Craig's going to be there. Uh, so those two programs trying to flip the longtime Ole Miss quarterback commit who threw for 27 touchdowns this year, ran for 15 more scores for Montgomery Bell Academy there in Tennessee, a heavily coveted quarterback here at the end of the cycle. Yeah, a lot of movement, a lot of activity, Steve, with some of the new coaches in their new grounds trying to, I guess, integrate themselves into this recruiting cycle. And on that same topic, let's get into some recruiting intel on Malachi Coleman, the four-star athlete, kicked off the month of December by decommitting from Nebraska, but he already had his in-home visit this past Friday with Matt Rule. What can you tell us on the latest on Malachi Coleman? Yeah, first day on the road, one of the first prospects Coach Rule goes to see is the number one player in the state, Malachi Coleman. He's going to take his official visit to Lincoln this weekend. And he talked about how Coach Rule wants to use him, wants to use him as a weapon, wants to develop him into one of the best receivers in the nation and help him get to the NFL. And he talked about Rule's track record of building up programs, which he turned Temple into a conference title winner. He took Baylor to the Big 12 championship game. And, and, and so he talked about the trajectory of Nebraska's program being exciting, but he's going to take an official visit to Michigan on December 16th. He said he loves the coaching staff there, loves Coach Harbaugh, loves that they're a hard, disciplined football team. He said they've been doing amazing things. They have a good plan for him, and that's either on offense or defense. They haven't put a label on it. He said he just said he knows they're going to take care of him, so he's going to take that official visit. A lot of other schools trying to get in the mix. Oklahoma State won as well. He's going to play in the All-America Bowl on January 7th, Blair, so we'll get a chance to see him in San Antonio, Nebraska, and Michigan in two schools in a good spot here at the end of his process. All right, four-star Cincy commit Day McCullough was visited by Oklahoma's safeties coach Brendan Hall yesterday. Steve, you actually put in a crystal ball for him to flip to the Sooners. What's the latest? Well, obviously with the turnover on the Cincinnati coaching staff, it's opened the door for other programs to come in here and make a move. And Oklahoma had been trying to chip away on Day McCullough for a while. And if Luke Fickle and company were still at Cincinnati, I don't think that there would be much traction. But the door is open wide with Coach Fickle going up to Wisconsin. And he's got a lot, the family's got a lot of relationships with coaches at Oklahoma. His dad's the running backs coach at Notre Dame. Prior to that, he was at Indiana, uh, where his older brother, Desan McCullough, signed with out of high school. And then before that, he was with the Kansas City Chiefs, where he worked with Jay Valai. Now, Desan McCullough, who's in the transfer portal right now, also trending towards Oklahoma, was recruited heavily by Brent Venables 
uh, during his process, and they kind of have him pegged for playing that Isaiah Simmons role in Oklahoma's defense. So I like where the Sooners are trending with Desan McCullough and also with Jay Valai and, and, and that coaching staff, um, um, the familiarity with them. Uh, um, in, in that defense and Brent Venable's track record, Brandon Hall going in the school yesterday has put Oklahoma in good position. And I think that the Sooners are ultimately going to add him to what is the nation's number seven recruiting class right now, unless something changes here in the, in the next couple of days, which, Hey, we all know it's recruiting. It's crunch <laughs> we expect time. It too. <laughs> the information is not always the same the next day, but today I like OU. <laughs> Steve, on the topic of, of the crystal ball, you know I like to go behind the scenes on some of your predictions. Florida got a prediction from you recently for four-star quarterback DJ Lagway, one of the top available prospects in the 2024 class. He's set to reveal his decision on Wednesday this week. What's the latest on DJ Lagway? Well, he's, he's making his college decision at 3 o'clock Central Time on Wednesday. And some schools that I think are very much in it down the stretch. You have Florida, you have USC, you have Clemson, Texas A&M, and Baylor. Those are all schools that he's given a strong look to and has relationships with those coaches. But I just really like Florida's position here down the stretch. The love uh, that Coach Napier and his staff have shown him. Uh, no program has recruited Lagway harder and more consistently than, than Florida. The visits to campus, uh, um, having the student section chant. Um, uh, for him to, to play in the swamp, Lagway to the swamp. I think that really resonated with him. You know, he has a good relationship with several staff members over there at, at Florida, including Ryan O'Hara. And I just think the trajectory of the program, the way that uh, the coaches developed Anthony Richardson and coached him up uh, during the season, I think is exciting. So I, I like where Florida stands. And, and what a way uh, would be another big recruiting win for the Gators coming off Jaden Rashada here in 2023. Then you come in behind him with another composite five-star at, at the position. And DJ Lagway, who could also play baseball in college, has all the intangibles you're looking for, an elite leader. Uh, he, th these are the type of guys that can help Florida get back to where they want to be in college football. So DJ Lagway, pivotal recruit for them tomorrow. All right, Scott Satterfield with the uh, Portal Day Shocker, the former Louisville head coach, now the head man at Cincinnati. He leaves behind a top 20 class with the Cardinals. It includes a lot of top prospects. Where do those commits stand now amid the coaching change? Well, Emily, we talked about it a little bit on the Portal Show yesterday. Uh, Ruben Owens, I talked to his dad yesterday morning, the number one running back in the country in the top 247 player rankings. He said they're staying patient and just waiting to see how things play out right now. And I talked to Jody Demling, our insider at Cardinal Authority, the publisher of the 24-7 Sports Louisville website. And he informed me that Louisville is trying to have a big recruiting weekend next weekend with all their commits. And here's the, the, here's the caveat. If you have your official visits still in play, you can take an official visit to the same school twice if there's a head coaching change. So all these Louisville commits that have maybe utilized their official visit once can come back again. And, and, and visit Louisville and visit with the new coaching staff. So per Jody Demling, that's what they're trying to line up next week. We haven't had any uh, 
any defections from the from the Louisville class as of yet. Certainly, DeAndre Moore is a guy that's been on Flip Watch, the top two four seven receiver from California, even prior to this. Uh, you talk to sources around Louisville; they thought they're keeping him, but you talk to some other sources; they say keep an eye on Texas. Uh, uh, he certainly enjoyed Georgia. So DeAndre Moore is still the one where I could see going either way. I'm giving the others more time. We'll see what happens here. Steve, the belief now is that Jeff Brom is at the top of Louisville's hot board. What would he bring as a recruiter and what would his impact be at Louisville if he was the guy? Well, I think his impact would be pretty much the same as Scott Satterfield's. I think they bring the same personality type to the recruiting trail. If you're sitting in front of Coach Brom, he's awesome. He's a really good living room guy that's eloquent with his message about his program. Uh, you know, I was talking with Josh Pate about this. Jeff Brom, he is one considered one of the offensive masterminds in college football. He's not someone that goes on the road and learns about other people's offenses. People come to see him and talk offenses and play calling. So that's something that I think would be attractive and exciting, especially if you're an offensive player committed to this class like Ruben Owens or, or DeAndre more um, but I think that he's someone that trusts his assistant coaches to get out there and get the job done looking forward to seeing what happens with that Louisville job Steve thank you as always for all the great insight yesterday and again today we know you're going to be on top of it until our signing day show and Blair I'm not sure how we could top last year's signing day stunner with Travis Hunter's flip but it is gearing up to be another exciting event we will be all over it wall-to-wall coverage of national signing day if you thought the portal palooza was fun join us for our signing day show on December 21st right here on the 24-7 sports YouTube page Joining us now for another recruiting roundtable are 24-7 Sports National Analysts Andrew Ivins and Cooper Patagna, aptly known as the Oyster Boys. And gentlemen, the transfer portal is wide open. The, the significance that it's had on college football recruiting is obviously very obvious. We also have the impact of NIL and now college football playoff expansion could make some dents in the way recruiting goes about on a yearly basis. And Andrew, we'll begin with you. How do you feel like the expansion from four to 12 teams in the college football playoff could affect college football recruiting? Well, I think it gives more teams and more schools a chance. I mean, if you're a kid the past five, six years, it's been, hey, you got to go to Alabama, you got to go to Georgia, one of these SEC programs, if you want to play for a national title. Now that we've expanded the field to 12 different teams, I think it really impacts that second tier of schools. So maybe not, you know, the, the blue bloods or the new age blue bloods, but those other programs, you know, they, the kids can now go there uh, and have a chance at playing in the playoff and playing for it all. So if that's a kid's goal right now. I mean, some of them, it's the NFL, some of them, it's education, some of them, it's NIL. But now if they want a trophy, they can go to more options than just that typical four or five. So that's the biggest thing for me. More schools now have a chance and kids can realize that and go somewhere else besides the same few schools. I think for parity purposes, it's a overwhelmingly big plus on, on the national stage when you talk about the 12 teams now included in a lot of these hypothetical conversations that we've had the past couple of weeks about, hey, is it TCU that should get in or is it a two-loss SEC team? like a team like Alabama that should be in. I think all of that kind of goes to the wayside now when you talk about 12 teams being involved. But, you know, the matchups here instantly, Blair, I know you're going to ask ask me about this, but I, I think about the group of five programs and, and a team like Tulane right now that would be 
in that conversation as a 12 seed if the college football playoff expansion were to happen today. The access for the group of five, and you look at programs like Tulane who are certainly ascending, I would say Cincinnati in the past, they're transitioning to the Big 12. But if you're an SMU in the AAC or Boise State in the Mountain West, this is great from, from a national perspective because now you get to see where you line up in terms against some of these Power 5 programs, what's needed from an investment standpoint, not only from an administration standpoint, but from an NIL standpoint, and how to be efficient when you have the opportunity to use some of those resources. So I think all in all, this is going to be a big plus for the parity of college football. Yeah, Cooper, I think you bring up an interesting point about parity, and I think it trickles down from the top even to the bottom, right? Like you think about the lower power five programs that are battling those group of five schools, right? Like let's say there's an Oregon State versus Boise State recruiting battle. Does that player then take the Boise State offer knowing that there's maybe a clear path to the college football playoff or, or do you go to Oregon State to say that you're a power five player? I mean, there's so many different intricate little battles that I think will now also play out in the recruiting trail. And, you know, it's what's interesting to me is that now there's going to be a, a broader window. I think there's going to be a broader pool of players that can now select between schools. And, and if push comes to shove and, and it was about me potentially fighting for a title or for a championship, now you can wonder, okay, this, this school has a legit shot to get me there either way. And I can play under the bright lights in, in January. Yeah, for sure. And I think you talked about it when Oregon State, Boise State type of hypothetical conversation there. But it gives these group of five programs a little bit more ammunition. And especially now in the day of NIL, I think they could use every opportunity that they need to go to the dinner table and say, hey, this is why you should come to a place like Boise State in this situation, a group of five program. Uh, it's hard, especially nowadays against the big boys with everything that they're going up against. I, I see this as a big plus for a group of five programs across the country. I think it's a big plus for power five, maybe bottom feeders as well. I mean, take a school like Colorado, you know, we know coach prime is now there, but in the past, I mean, they haven't had any chance of making uh, the college football playoff, let alone a bowl game. Now they get a, a little bit of success. It's easier for Deion Sanders and that staff to go to the boosters, to go to the collective and say, Hey, we're right here on, on the edge. We just need a little bit more. And you can get us to, to to the promised land. Blair, you you compared it before we hit record on this thing to a, a team trying to buy at the trade deadline. I think that's a great analogy for this. You, you can go all in. And, and as soon as your supporters and your backers just see a little bit of success, I mean, think about it. Early on in September, right? I know you, you're in that initial top 25 for the college football playoff rankings release. That's going to be completely different than it was previously. And that's going to instantly, I think, help you with your – a recruiting class that year and then moving forward as you raise more funds so it's not just the group of five think about those power five programs that maybe haven't had glory or have it in the past but not recently yeah you know what's interesting to me is that the expansion of the college football playoff also impacts nil and it impacts the transfer portal right we're experiencing the window right now and there could be a team that is, is essentially maybe a player or two away from actually competing for a conference championship well, if you're in the portal and you look at a certain school, you're like, oh, that school is missing a player like me. That team, all they need is an ingredient that I bring to the field. So it's it's going to, I think, broaden the, the scope of who we pay attention to. It's going to, I think, spice up the recruiting trail as well. But I do want to ask you guys, Cooper, and I'll begin with you, is this good for college football? 
<laughs> well, it depends who you ask. I mean, I, I think for me, overwhelmingly, there's kind of two ways to look at it. I think there's a lot of people that say, no, it's not good because, you know, at the top, you, ha you have the teams that have dominated college football like Georgia and Alabama. So what's going to be the difference when you expand the field? I do think it's good because it entices programs like Andrew mentioned, the Colorado, a second tier power five program. Deion Sanders, if he has success there, especially in the first one or two years in Boulder, there are going to be a lot of teams sniffing around Deion Sanders and for his services. If there's a 12-team expanded college football playoff, which there will be in 2024, I think Colorado can buy in, and I'm just using Deion Sanders as an example here, but get the resources behind primetime that goes all in. And Deion Sanders then takes a step back from 30,000 feet and says, hold on, is my path easier here in Boulder than it would be at the Plains at Auburn or at Mississippi State in Starkville? I think those are kind of the questions here. I think maybe it cuts down on some of the the, uh, the coaching carousel that we've seen that has become so rapid uh, in college football, really starting out in late November, early December. So I think this, uh, in, maybe not in the short term right now, but I think long term, this is a positive for college football. Blair, I'm going to say yes as well, and I got to be clear up front. I know, Blair, you went to UCLA. Uh, Cooper, he was a, a LSU grad. I'm a Florida Atlantic grad, right? And I've been to a lot of bad group of five football games, and there's never been – it was always, hey, can we make a bowl game this season? Now it's going to be, hey, if we get that dream, dream season, we could potentially play in the college football playoffs. So I'm here, all here for it. I know there's a ton of logistics that got to be worked out, uh, but I think this is good all around for the sport, maybe – uh, you know, if if you if you like Alabama and, and Georgia every year, and it maybe not, and Clemson, but if you're a fan of you know the 125 other schools, you should be all for this. I will yeah, say this uh, real, real quick, Blair. Sorry about this, but in the expanded college football playoff format, if, if that were to happen today, I mean, you look at some of the matchups that would happen in the first round. You got Alabama would host USC. You can't tell me that. It, all eyes would be on Caleb Williams in Tuscaloosa, the type of atmosphere that would be Kansas State traveling to Knoxville as well. And then you got Tulane in TCU, the type of TV from an entertainment standpoint. And let's remember, this all comes back to money. This is exactly what the TV networks want. Yeah, fascinating, obviously, to look about the hypotheticals and to look at the, the possible scenarios that this will have, not only for parity in college football, but also in college football recruiting. Thanks so much for joining us, Guy. That's Cooper, Patagna, and Andrew Rivens. You can catch all their work over at 247sports.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now that I've gotten here and I see it, and I understand it, Rick, and I can grasp it, and I can touch it, and I can feel it, and I can taste it, I truly understand what you want. 
All you want is an opportunity to win, to compete, to dominate, to be amongst the elite, to be amongst the best. And darn it, I'm going to give you that. The prime era has officially begun at Colorado, and Dion didn't just talk, he tweeted welcoming in future players, saying that he's seen players say that they are blessed to receive an offer, but he wants them to change it to, I'm blessed to commit. Prime finishing off with, get in now before it's too late. What a sell. And who better to talk to about a major shakeup in the Pac-12 than our West Coast guru, national recruiting analyst, Brandon Huffman. Brandon, as of late, Colorado's not been seen as a major player in the recruiting world and their 23 class currently ranked outside the top 40. But there has been a lot of buzz. Ultimately though, how tough is it for Colorado to bring top talent to Boulder? Well, it's going to be kind of contingent on a couple things. One, are they going to loosen up the academic requirements? That's going to allow Deion Sanders, if they do, allow Deion Sanders to really hit the transfer portal hard this year. You look and saw what USC did this year with the portal. You saw what Washington and Oregon did with first-year coaches able to use the portal. If Colorado allows Deion Sanders to loosen up the transfers, that allows him to make a quicker fix, and then he can also still focus on recruiting. Now, it might be difficult to bring in a top class in the 2023 cycle with the early signing period 15 days away, but at least give him a one-year stopgap before he really starts to hit the road in the rest of the month of December into the spring to help with the 24 class and beyond. But if they loosen things up a little bit to allow for transfers, that gives him a nice little head start and allow for an instant impact in 2023 season and allows him to really start getting those recruiting rankings up in 2024, 2025 and beyond. Huff, I think we know what Dion can do for Colorado, but what can Colorado do for Dion from a recruiting <laughs> standpoint? What type of promises do you think were made in terms of NIL and in terms of being able to dive into the transfer portal and in terms of providing him with the resources he needs to be successful? Well, I think you go back to the previous point. I don't think he's taking that job unless he's getting some guarantees that they're going to loosen up the transfer restrictions. He's not going to jump into that job unless he knows there's an opportunity to win right away. I think when you look at what USC did this year, a team that won four games a year ago to winning 11 games this year and make the Pac-12 championship game, it shows what the portal could do. Now, He's walking into a roster that is far worse than what Lincoln Riley walked into. Even with Lincoln Riley jettisoning some players and bringing guys in with the portal, USC has still been USC and they recruited. Colorado has not had much recruiting success since they made the move to the Pac-12. So he's not jumping into that job unless he knows there's the opportunity to get those quick fixes. But what can Dion do for Colorado? What can Colorado do for Dion? It gives him that first shot at a Power 5 job. You know, he went from an FCS school, didn't have to take a group of five job. He's getting a power five job at a school that when I was growing up, Colorado was a top 10 team. My freshman year in high school, they won a national championship in 1990. They played for a national championship the year before. They were always in the mix for a big eight title in the 90s and then the Big 12 and we expanded to that. It wasn't but 20 plus years ago, 20, 2001, they knocked Nebraska out of a, a undefeated season. They still went to the BCS, but Colorado was in the discussion to play in the national championship game. So we have a generation that's not used to seeing Colorado even be mediocre, but there's a generation out there that remember when Colorado was a national power and Dion is now the next guy to try to return them to that dominance in the late 80s and the early 90s. And if he can do it there, then that makes him that much more attractive to every big job that opens up in the ensuing years.
Whew, this is just the beginning. Love the little JFK references here. Ask not what Dion can do for Colorado. <laughs> Meanwhile, we are two weeks from early signing day, and we are contractually obligated to remind you of that every five minutes on this show. And Sanders has already shown that he's not afraid to offer guys that already have commitments. Caden Proctor, an example we mentioned earlier. How high can this Colorado recruiting class climb? Well, it's going to be fascinating to watch how these next two weeks play out because a lot of these guys made their decisions back in the spring. Now, if they have a visit to or two left, then maybe Boulder becomes a destination. That Denver airport, it might be in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> but that might be a place that coaches from the University of Colorado are going to be waiting for these top recruits to come in a visit. Caleb Presley, he's the top five, uh, the number one player in the Pacific Northwest. You know, he's a, a top five player at his position out west. He is committed to Oregon, but Colorado recruited him. Colorado was one of his first offers and they picked it up since Dion. Now, if you're a corner and Dion wants to coach you, how would you not want to listen to one of the premier cornerbacks that ever played the game? Tayshawn Lyons, a guy who, a top 247 receiver who named his final four today, he said that, hey, Colorado, there might be room for them to get that last visit. He's got three official visits left. He's only got two weekends to take it, but maybe he takes an official visit to Colorado. Even though he had his final four, Colorado is now sitting there. So with a guy like a Caden Proctor, a Caleb Presley, even some of the other guys that are uncommitted, Colorado is very attractive now. The question is, can they make up enough ground in the next 15 days? I look back to a player that Blair and I are plenty familiar with, Josh Connerly. He was the number one prospect out West in the 2022 cycle. He was going to name a top five on New Year's Day that didn't include the University of Oregon. But a new coach came in. The offensive line coach convinced him to make it a top six. Three months later, Oregon got his signature despite not even being in his top five. So that's the, the effect that a new coach can have. But when that new coach is Deion Sanders, you can take that effect and multiply it by infinity. <laughs> Prime has made a couple things clear, right? He says he's not hard to find. Nope. <laughs> and he says he's bringing his own luggage, which is Louie, by the way. Do you think, Huff, that he raids the Jackson State commit list or even the roster as, as maybe a makeshift year for him to kind of get the ball rolling in Boulder? Hey, first of all, Dion, thanks for commenting on the 24-7 Sports Instagram page. Love and it. just letting everybody else know that you're a follower. Anybody else should go follow that. But yeah, I, I think you're going to see him hit that Jackson State recruiting list. I think you're going to see him hit a lot of schools' commitment lists because he is Dion. We saw it last year when you know the, the biggest stunning announcement in the history of probably recruiting happened on the early signing period's first day when he flipped longtime commit to Florida State, Dion's alma mater, Travis Hunter, and got to Jackson State. Then we saw at the All-American Bowl when Kevin Coleman announced for Jackson State. So now that he's at a Power 5 school, don't think for a second he's going to sit idly by. He says he's not hard to find and he's going to make his presence known. He's already making his presence known. So I anticipate it's not just Jackson State that should be worried about their commits. It's every school in the country. If he's able to take a player from his alma mater and flip them to an FCS school like Jackson State, what's he going to be able to do at some of these other schools that maybe he doesn't have the cachet like he did at Florida State with a player that wasn't the number one or number two player in the country like Travis Hunter? All bets are off, and that's why these next 15 days, really the next three or four years, are going to be fascinating to watch. But I'm really excited to watch how these next two weeks play out. Yeah, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of energy, and I'm going to pour some cold water on it here. What about the guys currently in this Colorado recruiting class? We saw the tweet from Prime welcoming guys in, but we've also seen tweets like this. Commits taking to social media to say the new staff will not honor their pledges. Brandon, fair or foul? 
The problem with that is, I mean, A, that's what a new coach gets to do. Mm -hmm. It's not uncommon to see a new coach come in, look at the recruiting list and say, hey, you know what, it's, it's not gonna work out here. Uh, but usually they get a little bit of time and now these guys have two weeks to try to find another spot. A lot of these guys were early commits. A lot of these guys, the schools that their other offers were from, those schools are now filled up and with the transfer portal opening yesterday, those schools are probably gonna be hitting the portal before they go to the high school rank. So a lot of these guys are in a bind and it's the sad part of the business side of it, but Dion's not the first coach to do this. This isn't the first school that has had a new coach come in and those commits to the previous staff now finding that there's not going to be a spot. The problem that recruits now in 2022 and 2023 had to deal with is that there's the portal that schools mm -hmm. that maybe were recruiting them before are probably going to hit. So now finding another spot is that much more difficult. A year ago, there was a kid who had been committed to a Pac-12 school for a year and a half. His dad played at that Pac-12 school. He thought he was going to stay in state and go there. They said we were going in a different direction. He ended up signing at a big sky school. So he went from playing in the Pac-12 like he had always dreamed of, playing at his dad's alma mater, to going to a big sky school. Sadly, that's how recruiting is nowadays. And mm -hmm. that's why we, we say, you know, a lot of times the kids and the recruits are the ones that get the negative feedback from the fan bases saying, oh, well, you're not committed, you decommitted. No, they were not given an option. They were basically told, go look for another spot. But hey, people want to keep bashing the kids. Fans, just remember that a lot of times these are coaches making their own business decisions. And a lot of times the kids become the collateral damage. So maybe a little grace on social media to some of you people that are watching the show that are some of the monsters that tweet at these kids. <laughs> Give these kids a little bit of wiggle room here because a lot of times it's not their choice why they decommitted. I'm so glad you went there. I was going to go there too. Like, why don't we just all be kind to everyone? We don't know the backstory behind all of this, but certainly will be interesting to see it all plain out. Huff? Thank you so much for all of that. Well, as we have established a million times, Colorado got a whole lot more interesting. So you're going to want to check out buffstampede.com for the latest on the Coach Prime era. There's a lot of excitement around this hire, but Blair, do you believe that Dion can get Colorado back to being that national power like they were back in the 80s and the 90s? Well, it's maybe a yes or and a no, because <laughs> I do think like he can make them a recruiting power. I don't know if he's going to make them a college power. And, and you know why? And that's because I think he's going to be so successful that he won't be in Boulder for much longer. I, I think he'll be there two, three years. I think it'll be one of those things where he uses Colorado as a stepping stone to a bigger job. And unfortunately for the Buffaloes, this is a move they had to make. They had to go out and get Deion Sanders to reinvigorate their program, to re-energize that fan base, to bring in elite recruits that can help them turn things on the field. But that's a double-edged sword, right? That you're going to be able to bring in a coach that's going to become a hot commodity and I think we're going to continue to hear Deion Sanders's name being tossed around as a major candidate for a lot of these power five openings if things continue to trend the way they've already started to trend in his career as a head coach. That's why you have to live in the moment Blair. Let's just enjoy what we've got now. We see how Prime will be at Colorado. Well he may be the biggest story in the college football world right now but there is still a lot going on like who will land the number one athlete in the 2023 class? Let's ask someone. How about Jeff Ehrman? He is the publisher of Inside MD Sports joining us here. Hey there. He took an unofficial, Nicholas Harbor took an unofficial to Maryland this past weekend and will be back this coming weekend for an official visit. So what's the latest on Maryland's pursuit of the talented five-star? 
Well, I mean, the latest is that they feel like they've got a shot. You know, they, they've kind of been discounted all along. People have looked at the bigger names uh, earlier in the process, Michigan and others. Lately, South Carolina, obviously. I think South Carolina has established itself as the leader. But I think Michigan feels, or excuse me, Maryland feels like it's got a puncher's chance. He really enjoyed his unofficial visit last week. Uh, he'll be coming in for an official this weekend. And, you know, Mike Loxley's got a history of pulling off these kinds of, of shockers with five-star recruits, so you can never bet against them. Yeah, Jeff, I think the interesting thing for me is that not only he would give them a huge recruiting win, but I think it would impact the recruiting class this year and in years to come, right? I think that allows Maryland to get a lot of momentum. What kind of impact would Nicholas Harbert have on that Maryland football program if he were to commit? Well, obviously, like you said, it's great for perception. You know, the class they have this year is not quite as highly ranked as the one they've had in recent years. Anytime you can, especially with the local player, that's always the pitch. Stay home, help us build, build something here instead of joining something that's already been built by other people. So perception-wise, it's big. And also, you know, he obviously with his athleticism, he's an amazing athlete. Uh, he could get on the field right away. You know, some people think he needs a year or two to kind of refine his game a little bit. But, you know, obviously it would be one of the highest-rated commitments they've had. I think probably the second highest-rated uh, in recent years just after Stephon Diggs. Jeff, you mentioned it. Loxley has provided some exciting signing day drama with some surprise flips in years past. You got Raheem Jarrett, Jay Sean Barham. Anybody else that we should be ready for this year? Well, they're working on a few. You know, they read, they like uh, Neo Avery, four-star edge from Good Counsel High School, committed to Ole Miss. They really like Deshaun Womack, top 60 uh, defensive lineman, committed to LSU. Whether they can pull those off, you know, it's a lot harder to predict these days in the NIL era you have no idea what sort of uh enticements are out there and who can offer the best in terms of that but those are a few guys that they have and then they've got some other uh uncommitted commits coming in this weekend yeah maryland has fluctuated through the years jeff they were as high as 18th in the recruiting class rankings last cycle uh in, in 2022 they, they you know were up and down as well they're for, they're outside the top 45 in this current cycle how how does that staff and how does maryland find consistency well obviously the, the number one thing for maryland is always to keep players at home right the dmv is loaded with talent everybody knows that the problem is you have every school in the country coming in trying to compete for these players so that's always the same story for maryland how many of those guys can you keep at home this year's class, like you mentioned, is, is lower rated than some recent ones. So I think the focus now is to address a few specific needs and kind of sprinkle a couple of higher rated uh, studs onto the, you know, this mix of guys, you know, sleepers and guys that they like. Jeff, thank you so much for all that great insight. To read more about the Terps and Harbor's upcoming visit, head to Inside MD Sports. Blair, it's our favorite time of the show. It's where we answer some of your questions from viewers. Let's start here. With Nick Barone, he asks, if DJ Lagway doesn't choose USC, where could they pivot in 2024? You know, it's a bit uncharted territory for Lincoln Riley, who seemingly gets to handpick his quarterback whenever he recruits one, right? And I think this would be an interesting one for them to move maybe to a local prospect like Elijah Brown from modern day. He's a, a composite five-star prospect who is certainly a, a big name. He has enough offers. He's, he's, I think, a player that would move the needle with other recruits. And when you need a quarterback to be a face of a program, 
Uh, I think you go and, and you look at Elijah Brown from modern day high school. You have a lot of history at that program. Uh, and that would, I think, maybe give them a bit of energy in the in the 2024 cycle after missing on a lag way if they do. And even missing on Dylan Rayola early in the cycle, who is currently committed to Ohio State. Yeah, my non-expert advice is if you're worried about USC fans, if you're worried about Lincoln Riley finding a quarterback, don't. I think he's shown a pretty awesome track record when it comes to bringing in talent and also developing them. Let's go to Andrew Gator Fan 15. I wonder what this one's going to be about. Will Florida end up with a top five class? Right now they are number nine with 22 commits. Andrew, I'm, I'm sorry to do this to you, but I think it's just a two... Uh, steep of a hill to climb for Florida. You know, they do have a number of top targets still on the board. You, you look at Jordan Hall and Desmond Ricks and, and guys like James Smith and Quay Russo and even the running back who was previously committed to Ohio State and Mark Fletcher. Uh, but I think there's just too many teams that are also in contention for some of these programs that are above them already in the recruiting class. Uh, never say never, but I would say that Florida, you know, I think is, is a safe bet to, to finish in the top 10, uh, but maybe top five is a bit too lofty right now. Number nine, though? Not half bad. I mean, you're still up there if you're in the top 10 with an exciting Yeah, class. and in the first year, right, with the first <laughs> yeah, true exactly. recruiting class uh, that that staff would have. And and I think it's it's certainly a positive step. You know, you if you get DJ Lagway this week, that gives you momentum into mm -hmm. 2024. You already have your your quarterback already kind of entrenched as the, as the peer recruiter of sorts. So uh, certainly a lot of optimism in Gainesville and a lot to look forward to. Uh, and, and like you mentioned, Emily, a top 10 class is, is nothing to really, you know, kind of look down on. Yeah, number nine, not too shabby. All right, our final question comes from William Strain asking, where will Peyton Bowen end up? A lot of schools want to know this answer too. <laughs> I still have to think... Notre Dame is, is in the driver's seat, right? Mm -hmm. He's been committed there for such a long time. This is a player who's taken a number of visits to other schools and, you know, still has maintained that commitment to the Fighting Irish. So, you know, I, I still believe in Marcus Freeman as a recruiter. Uh, he's fending off, obviously, you know, programs like Oklahoma that have been pushing hard for him as well. Uh, but I, I do think that Peyton Bowen realizes, uh, and, he, and I think he likes the, the, the fit from a defensive standpoint uh, at Notre Dame. And, and I would still think that the Irish hold the upper hand in that recruitment heading into signing day. Yeah, Notre Dame, one of those teams in the top five right now, currently at number three. Marcus Freeman, no slowing down from here. Hey, don't forget to join us for our signing day show on December 21st. We will have wall-to-wall -wall coverage right here on the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. And happening tomorrow on this page, three-star athlete Brandon Hillman making his commitment live at 1 o'clock. If you see your team as one of those logos, get pretty excited because he could potentially pick them, so make sure to tune in for that. Thanks so much for joining us. Alongside Blair and Gulo, I'm Emily Proud, and this is the College Football Recruiting Show.